Good morning. God bless you to each one. I have a question this morning. How good are we about taking responsibility? And our minds go in a lot of different directions when it comes to taking responsibility. Our parents want us to take responsibility and get our chores done. And as, of course, at your age, responsibility to make sure you uh, keep yourself in the way and that... uh, but really, it's pretty easy to, to not take responsibility when we're part of a group. The group is doing this or the group is doing that. Well, am I part of that group? So how responsible am I? Um, what am I doing to, to personally take responsibility? So I have a little test, uh, something for us to think about. Are we really taking responsibility? How many of you have ever been driving through a big city at rush hour and everything got jammed up and you're down to 20 miles an hour creeping along and it could take an hour to get through there just because it's rush hour and everybody's out there trying to go the same at the same time you are? Have any of you faced that? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. We have St. Louis just north of us, about 70 miles. So whenever we travel up north uh, to northern Missouri or any point north of there, we have to go through St. Louis. That's just the best road. But 270 at certain times of the day, once in the morning and once in the afternoon, becomes a dreadful place. Everybody's trying to go on 270. It's just jammed up, and we're down to a crawl. How often have we gotten out of a situation and said, Boy, that was awful. There was just this big jam up there in the city, and it held me up, and I couldn't get through, and I was, I was, we were creeping along for an hour. It's, it's just, the jam up there in the city is just ridiculous. Hmm. Was I part of the problem that day that there was a jam up on 270? I was as guilty as every person there for causing a jam on 270. How often do we say, wow, well, I guess I helped it out again today. I was up at 270, and we just plugged the place up, made it tough for everybody. We're blaming them, not me. I'm the innocent one that was caught in the middle of all this, and they're responsible for trying to all drive here at the same time. But so was I. But so was I. I'm as much responsible for that jam up as any other single person. They're all saying, oh, this is awful. What a plugged up place this is. We're doing it. If we're there, we're doing it. So do I take responsibility? I need to. I took my vehicle. I went up there at that hour of the day when I knew everybody else would be there, and I just made the problem worse. I truly did. Made the problem worse. I'm responsible when I'm in that jam up for causing the jam up. Here I am. One of a few other million, maybe, maybe not, and this is what we're doing. All trying to be at the same place at the same time. So I'm responsible. I'm responsible. You know, God isn't looking down there now. Which one of them is responsible for this? Well, they're all responsible for this. They're all involved. 
in little ways, we tend to blame the group. Somebody should be doing something. Somebody should take this in a different direction. Somebody should come up with a new idea. Well, if I'm part of the group, maybe that somebody is me. Maybe that somebody is you. So how is it with your church? Is it as spiritual as you'd like to see it? Are you part of a spiritual, alive church? Are you part of a spiritual, alive youth group? What can you do about it? If it's everything you want it to be, and you're helping to make it be that, hallelujah. I guess you can grab your notes and go get ready for class somewhere else. However... Our church needs some help. And rather than wishing it was different, it's time I did something to help it be different. And that's the challenge I want to I wanna lay on every one of us this morning. Sometimes in the area of outreach and involvement in the community, we wish our church could be doing more. But we try and do a few things at our church, but I don't think it's enough. I don't think it's enough. We need to do more. We need to do more to fulfill our calling in the community. You know, we often pray. We often pray in our prayer meetings, and I've often heard this, help us be a, a shining light in this community. Help us to be the witness we need to be in this community. And then we pack up and go home. Next morning we go about business as usual, and I know personal contact is very important. Every person you rub shoulders with through the day and on the job, every person you meet uh, should see that there's a shining light in you. You're in Christ. It's sometimes a united effort to do something beyond the everyday life is a good thing and can get us on board and enthused and touch more people at one time. So what do you wish your church would be doing? Big things, little things? I know some of you are involved with uh, children's ministries, and I think that's a wonderful thing. I really wonder if our church should, should go down that avenue. And we want to think more about that. We want to start putting one foot in front of the other to, to get to that. There's other things that can be done. There are small practical things that can be done, and there's things the youth can do. And if it's not being done there, maybe it can start because of you. And I'm speaking to you girls as much as to the boys. There's different little areas of ministry that girls can be involved with. Uh, there's different areas of ministry the boys can be involved with. <clears throat> you know, don't just sit back and wish the preachers would do something. They're limited. They're human. They're busy. And they're just trying to hold things together sometimes. Plus run, have their own life and their own family. And preaching. And fixing problems behind the scenes that you sometimes don't even know about. What they need is an enthused group behind them and with them that are all part of the fire that burns. We're all in this together. We're all part of the traffic jam and we're all part of the solution. So this morning, 
I just want to give you some, some practical pointers on being a fire starter. I want you to be a fire starter. And sometimes all it takes is one match to start a forest fire or to start a nice, cozy fire in a fireplace somewhere where it gives heat to the house and it's beautiful or campfire and we love sitting around and it blesses everybody. But it takes a fire starter for everybody to enjoy that fire. They say there's a, there's a, there's a, a campfire effect and this works among people you know, when there's, you can be at a campground and night is coming and some of your friends are around and you're planning on spending the night together. But when one person starts a fire, it's a warm, lit up magnet that draws everybody over there. Something good is going on here. So people gather around the fire. It's cheering, it's warm, it gives us light, our friends are there. The fire is an attractive place to gather around. That's what churches should be. A nice place where there's a fire burning that draws people around in comradeship. But the same can be said for programs and little things that help build up the church, help us be a witness in the community. Start a fire, something warm, something interesting, and other people will come. and say, yes, this is good. Let me help. Can I help? So I want you to be a fire starter. I'm going to run through several points. If you want to take them down, you may. Several points you should consider um, in your fire starting career that I'm hoping you're beginning right now. Probably you're already practicing some of these things. That's great. Number one, so you're going to think, what could our church do? Well, should we have more outreach to the city? What could we do locally? Should it be with literature? Should it be with something practical like a holiday supper to invite the whole community into our gym and feed them turkey and ham and mashed potatoes? Would people come? What about the nursing home? I've noticed that many churches have Wednesday evening prayer meeting. That's good. They sing at the local nursing homes. That's good. And oftentimes other things that they do in their communities. And that's good. So each church is different, but there's different ideas out there that we can learn from each other. Look around. What is somebody else doing that we should be doing? And how are they doing it? Go and learn. Go ask. Go find out. Educate yourself. There's no sense we all reinvent the wheel. Somebody else has a wheel, and it's turning, and it's working. Go find out how. Number one, pray about it. You've got an idea, or you're looking for an idea, so start with prayer. There's a verse in Philippians 2.13, write this down, if you're not turning to it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. 
So it's God working in you to think about a good thing and to do a good thing, to will and to do. It's God working in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. So when we get that focus that, okay, maybe all God wants me to do is strike the match. It's his idea and it's his work. And other people will get involved and this thing will go. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to be a fire starter. I want you to think of the ideas when you do something about it. So number one, you pray. And that Philippians 2.13 is such a vital part of keeping it all in concept. This is God's work. He's just wanting me to think and to do something that's within his will. So it's his work. So number one, pray. Number two, have the proper concept. Of Philippians 2.13. 13 isn't the last verse there. Let's look at 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. As soon as you come up with an idea, somebody's going to come up and say, well, maybe it would be better if we do it this way. Well, maybe it's a good idea. Maybe it's not a good idea. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. And the whole object here is to be that shining light that draws people to Christ and your church and your effort and your um, bring them in. So in order to be that bright and shining light, we realize it's God doing the work and we realize that we have to do this in harmony with our brothers and sisters. It's not a one-man show. Christianity is never a one-man show. It's a united effort. So number one, pray. Number two, have the proper concept. It's God's work, and it's us together in this. And then number three is start asking advice. Start asking advice. And then, like I mentioned, go ask other people how they're doing it. Go to your parents. Go to your ministry. Go to your youth leader and present your idea. Humbly. Start asking advice. Well, we might, get a, we might get an answer that says, not a good idea. That won't work, and it's, it's not a good idea. That might be true. Not every idea you're going to have is inspired by God. And it's absolutely what they ought to do. And everybody that doesn't agree with it is just not spiritual and they can't see and their eyes are closed. No, no. You're part of a spiritual group. And asking advice means you're willing to take a correction or a no. For an extreme example, two of you girls get the idea we should go and minister to the homeless in the city. And here they are on Skid Row, and they've got boxes to live in. We're going to grab a big box and go up there and get right next to them. And Dad's saying, no, no, no. My girl is not going to the city and getting in a cardboard box alongside those people. No. Rightfully so. We can be enthusiastic, but we can be running in the wrong direction. So asking advice is ever so important. Number four, get help. Get somebody else involved. 
Like I said, nothing is a one-man show. If one of you boys has a great idea, go talk to a friend of yours and say, hey, what about this? Maybe we could do this. might be in a quiet way. might be as simple as <clears throat> some of you guys getting some money together to send some literature into the community, like reaching out or something else. Maybe you could set up a few track racks at some local stores and keep them supplied with free literature. You girls, it could be as simple as, you know, we go to the nursing home, but we're just there for an hour and then we're gone. And we know there's lonely old people here. What if every Thursday afternoon after work, I would just go down there and visit with two or three of those old ladies that they would just love it and just minister to them and, and be the daughter that they don't have be the granddaughter they don't have, and uh, take a friend with you. Get some help. Get a team. Start doing something. And that's my next point. Start doing. Ideas are great, and we can rehash plans, and we can come up with this and that, but finally, you've asked advice. Uh, there's no roadblocks. You know, Paul, Paul had this idea to go preach. At, in Acts 16, it says the Holy Spirit forbid him. His great idea was not of God. His plan that day was not right. Why is preaching to people wrong? And it says the Spirit forbid him to go. Well, about a day later, they knew why. God had something else in mind. He had a dream. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And then it was like, that's why we're not supposed to go here. We're supposed to go there. Somebody's ready. So just because a good idea didn't fly might not mean never. It might mean not now. And the Holy Spirit speaks in a way through your parents or the church leaders, and you think it's all wrong. Why don't they see it? But possibly it's simply the Spirit redirecting you to something that's better, something that's better. Start doing just put one foot in front of the rest, and this isn't earth-shaking, this isn't huge, but we're going to do it. We're just going to go and do it a little bit once. Just do it. Just from inactivity to activity, just put it in motion. And start small. Your dream might be huge, but start small. We'll just do it like this for now. We'll just start. And when we do small, you know, a small mistake is bigger than a, better than a big mistake. If you start small and you make a small mistake, you can recorrect it, and then you get a little bigger, and then you recorrect it again, and you just can't see the end when you start something, but you just start on what appears to be a good thing. Start small. Take little steps. We have to walk before we run. There's nothing wrong with starting small. And then the Spirit can open the door to more opportunity. Open doors. That's coming in the seven churches class today. An open door of opportunity. Just go through it. Just go through it one little step at a time. And then maybe it grows. Maybe it goes. If it's the Lord's will, let others step in and do it. Maybe God has something else for you. Maybe at this point, ladies, you have 
become married and you've got three children. And it just doesn't work to have a heavy schedule down at the nursing home like you used to do. Let others take on the work. Other responsibilities can, can say, well, it's going on, it's going on without me. And you have to be fine with that. You helped. You helped get it started. And then uh, I'm not saying be lazy, cop out, say, okay, now somebody take this. I, w- I want to go do another great idea. But sometimes uh, we're too, we can't do everything. And none of us needs to be the chief of everything. Start it. If you can, get it going. Stick with it. But if the day comes when you need to let it to others, then you need it to let it to others. The work is the Lord's. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I want to give you just a few just a few practical thoughts from the experience I had. I was involved with, uh, I guess the Lord prompted me, and I began to think about something. And um, make a long story short, I worked at starting reaching out the magazines that some of your churches might use to spread in the community. And I had moved to Wisconsin, and I had this idea. It was like, you know, the Jehovah's Witnesses come to my door, and they have this Awake magazine and the Watchtower magazine, and every month they have a new one. And back in Brooklyn, New York, they are pumping out millions of these things, and all their churches are taking the same thing out. Not each church has to figure out what we're going to write, what we're going to print, what are we going to have next month. Somebody puts it together, and everybody uses it. How efficient is that? Just look at that. They are so organized. Why aren't us Mennonites doing something like that? Why don't we have a magazine we can print, and everybody can use it, and we don't all have to come up with something? Hmm, maybe we could do something like that. So I began to talk to other people. I began to look for advice. And the ideas came. I remember one time I was talking with my bishop and I said, what, um, what could we call this thing, you know, just... You know, and I was telling him about this magazine, this idea of reaching out into the community. And what, what would we call it? And he said, well, you talked about reaching out. Maybe you could call it reaching out. Hmm, okay, yes, I like that. Later, someone came to me and said, maybe you could call it speaking out. Okay, here we had one idea. Here we had another idea. I don't like the speaking out idea. I like the reaching out idea better. And we stayed with reaching out. But I had to get other people involved. It was more work than I could possibly do. I couldn't write all those articles on different subjects and be pertinent and up to everything. I need help. I need writers. So I started calling people. What subjects do we want? Put your ideas on paper. What, what could this be? And it had to come together somehow. And I said, you know, I would like to just unite all kinds of different churches, everything from, I mean, 
we have a wide spectrum of, of Mennonites, you know, and, and we're not always on the same page with everything, but why can't we just unite together? Somebody's like, uh, I don't think you'll get all those people together. I don't think that'll work. Well, let's try. Let's try. So I called people up about being writers, and we got several people that committed that they could write, and another piece of good advice came along the way. How often are we going to print this thing? Well, be good if it was maybe monthly or every other month. Well, said one wise individual, why don't we start as a quarterly? And if we can pick up the pace later and do it oftener, fine, but it's, this is work. Let's start with just each quarter. Okay, we'll start that way. Well, it's many years later and it's still a quarterly. We have not put the energy into making it anything faster than that. A lot of work involved. So, based on somebody else's advice, that's where we started and that's where we stayed. But getting help, getting help is key. Sell your idea, light the fire, but get other people involved so that the work is bigger than you. The work is bigger than you. So just start doing. We, we got the first article together. We got the first magazine together. And What do I know about this? Okay, this is the day of desktop publishing. Everybody can have a computer and sit in their living room and whip out a magazine. I better learn how to do this. I don't know how to do this. So I went to find the people that knew how to do this. What kind of equipment should I buy? I don't even know how to type. Somebody told me what equipment I should buy, so I did. They helped me lay up the first issue at Carlisle Printing in Ohio. And they continued to lay it up for me, and they showed me how this works a little bit. You put your stuff in here and paste it, and it flows together, and they helped me put the first one together, and wow, these people know how to type. I go home and I start trying to learn how to type. I have a Mavis Beacon typing program and I'm going, Lord, if I'm supposed to do this, why can't it just happen? Why isn't it easier for me to learn? How old I was? I was in my 30s and I'm trying to learn how to type. Well, I had programs that I didn't have to retype everything. I could scan it in and turn it into text and it would flow and put it in there and I'd learn from others how to do some of that stuff. And so we made one up. Well, they helped me make the first one. After that, I had to make the second one. But the articles came in from my writers, and, well, we got to sell this idea to the churches. I mean, we got this thing created. Now, how are we going to get it out there? CAM has a great idea. They make a little packet of information, and they send it to everybody. That's what we'll do. So I put a sample issue in there, put a letter in explaining how this works, you fill out the back page information so that your church has their information on the back page. And I go through the Mennonite directory and we start mailing these packets out. Sure enough, a few of them bit. Oh, we'll take so and so many, thousand or so and so many hundred. Great. We've got five or six people on board. This is good. So then we had to get that back in time to get the back page set up, to get it all set up, to get it to the printer, to get it to them while it's still that quarter of the year. Get way ahead of the game. I, I can be a procrastinator, but this is dated material. Get on, get on with it. So I was pouring my energy into trying to stay ahead of it. And how can we reach more churches? How can we get out there? Well, 
<clears throat> Kept going through the Mennonite directory and sending a bunch of packets out. You know, the ministers all get together at ministers' meetings. Maybe I could go to a ministers' meeting or two and simply um, set up a booth there in the back and show and tell what I have. It's a trade show. Go, go get it to them. So I did that. I uh, traveled out, went to a few ministers' meetings, set up my booth. And they left me talk about it up front one time and tried to sell my ideas. More people got on board. More churches started using it. And we figured out that the churches would pay for their own copies to the printer so that we didn't have to be in the middle and be involved. <clears throat> well, we should have a board of directors. Nothing is a one-man show. Things are more trusted. If more people are involved, we need a board of directors. Um, what are we going to do? Who's going to help with that? Well, what if... I picked out a man from the nationwide circles and a man from the beachy circles and a man from the Bethel circles and I'll be on there and who else was it? If we get a broad spectrum of people, then the people in their churches will trust and respect it because one of their people is on the board. We'll, we'll unite it together so where there's more of a group effort. So we did that. Got some people involved, and, and uh, so they would help give some direction and, and things. And it's a pretty quiet board. We never meet together. We call each other on the phone every now and then when a change needs to be made. And then I was going to leave and go to Romania. And realistically thinking, there's no way I can be the editor and live in Romania and be focused on the work there. So it was time to say, we need a new editor. And this work needs to go on. I can't help anymore. I need to leave. There's something else burning. But this work mayn't die. It's, it's, it's going. Something's happening. And so we found another editor, and I moved away. I moved away. The Lord's work doesn't depend on me. The Lord's work doesn't depend on you. But be a fire starter that gets something going. So other people were editing. Other people were writing. Other people were printing and distributing. Other people were promoting it. And when I came back from Romania 12 years later, I got involved again a little bit, but not as editor. It's, it's a big job, and I'll let somebody else take care of that. I was involved again. I'm still on the board. We needed a new editor. We needed to make some changes, so that took phone calls and some activity, and I was happy to be involved. But getting other people, starting small, getting other people involved, asking advice, these are all things that that will make a work. Give it a chance to go and grow. Use the energies around you to uh, get involved. Sometimes all it takes is someone to strike the match. I didn't have any editing experience. I did horrible with English in school. Language was my, one of my worst subjects. I couldn't figure out the diagramming and the verbs and the nouns. and the, It was just a horrible mess. And here I'm supposed to be an editor and look at these people's things and 
and uh, figure out what's right and what's wrong. Well, I went by feel. Does it sound right? Does it read good? But I had other people reviewing. I wasn't alone. I had other people reviewing. Didn't know how to type. Sometimes all you have to do is strike the match, and the Lord can pick it up, get other people involved. You don't have to be an expert in any field. But that's why we need to ask advice and start small. Ask advice. It might not be a good idea, and it might be. You'll never know if you don't try. It is God which works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. One more quick illustration. One day, uh, my brother-in-law and I got this idea, you know, we'd like to start our own little business. We were working on a grain bin crew. It was hot in the summer. It was cold in the winter. It was hard work. What if we'd start a little business? We heard about somebody that was making potato chips, and he's stopping and he's selling his equipment. Let's go look at it. Maybe we can buy his equipment. Maybe we can start making potato chips to sell. So we did. We went and looked. Yeah, we'll do this. We'll buy the peeler. We'll buy the cooker. And we struggled. We didn't know how to do this. The chips were soggy in the middle. And if we cooked them till they were crisp, they were brown. Oh, we felt like quitting. Looked at each other, and one day I said, if this was a job, I would quit. Unfortunately, it wasn't a job. It was our investment. We bought this equipment, and it's embarrassing to quit if you don't even get started. We muddled through it. We asked for advice. We went and visited people. We talked about it. We studied it. Went to trade shows. I took a course at a, on snack food control and tried to learn more things. And we learned more things. And eventually, we were putting nice-looking chips in bags and taking them to the stores. <clears throat> and it worked. Later, we sold the business. But I said to myself, if I ever start anything ever again, I'm going to go and get a job somewhere and learn how to do it first. Then I'll start. So the next time around, I wanted to get into woodworking. That's just what I did. I went and got a job. Worked in somebody else's shop to learn how to make a chair and some basics on gluing up wood to make a tabletop. And I was so much farther ahead of the game. And that man, bless his heart, Fred Zimmerman in Delaware, helped me buy my first equipment and get me started on the right road, and then sold me a few parts to help me get going in the chair-making business back in Missouri. Get help. Ask advice. Nothing good is a one-man show. But we need a fire starter. We need somebody that will strike that match and get that warm, cheery fire started, and then everybody will cluster around and enjoy it. So... Taking responsibility for the traffic jam? Take responsibility for what's not happening in your church right now that you would like to have happen there. Let the Holy Spirit guide you. Put prayer on it. And then do something. Let's stand for prayer.